0: Hey,
1: Steve. Hey, Chris. What did you think about Star Wars Rogue One? You mean the guns of Navarone in space? Sure.
0: Sorry. They kind of flew over my head. I'm not familiar with old it, war I, movies.
1: I, it felt like one of these one of these like uh, like these old great war movies only with star wars uh and the force and all of that uh you know where you've got the the ragtag team of of heroes and they're up against impossible odds and everybody die i mean uh
0: the 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 The, um i think what most people would have gone with was um oh what is it the the name of not inglorious bastards that's the name that's popping into my head but um And then Hogan's Heroes. Somewhere in between those two names is the movie I'm thinking of.
1: The Magnificent Seven?
0: No, because it's World War II. It's the group of misfits in World War II that go on this suicide mission. And the name of it's on the tip of my tongue.
1: Bridge over the River Kwai.
0: No. (laughs) It's not Hogan's Heroes, obviously. It is clearly not Inglorious Bastards. It is something...
1: Inglorious Heroes.
0: No, no, I hate you. Well, okay, (laughs) whatever. Just keep on topic. But no, I get what you mean. And that's, of course, Gareth Edwards, the director. One of the things that he wanted to do was make a Star Wars film that felt like a war movie. And I really liked that. The best way I could summarize why I like this movie is it feels like everything that I technically wanted out of, and this is going to be a weird comparison, Halo ODST, where you did not play as Master Mm. Chief, and therefore everything was supposed to be this big threat that would not have been as much as. And then at the end, you know, it it ends appropriately, as opposed to Halo ODST, which ends incredibly happily, which clearly right now we're trying to avoid too many spoilers, but this is a story about Trying to get the Death Star plans, so there's some things
1: you can assume. Yeah, there there are there are some things that that you can assume that it's not. Uh, it's a, it's a war movie more or less, and I could tell from the first trailer that you know this was not a movie that ended happily for everyone involved, right? I mean, that wasn't. Yep, that wasn't something that is should come as a shock to anyone listening to the podcast. Uh <laughs> wait, what podcast? see no podcast. The, oh yeah, yeah, this
0: isn't a podcast. No, the 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 funny thing though is you mention the um the first trailer, and there's two things that of course I wanted to bring up are you have the, the the original trailer which has a whole lot of stuff in it, and it does have that dark serious tone that I really liked. And then came the rumors of reshoots. And well, not the rumors, but the actual news of reshoots. And there was a lot of hubbub on the internet about... This theory that... Disney wanted to make it more Star wars And theories as to why they went back for reshoots and stuff. And... There's a couple of theories that were out there. and There's some stuff that has come to light. But what is most obvious is that the final act of the film was greatly changed from what they originally did Mm -hmm. and one of the things that Gareth Edwards himself has said in interviews was after seeing the original edit of the movie Disney basically gave him just money they just gave him money to do more in the way of um, special effects shots like I forget the exact phrasing of it like it's like they gave him a few hundred effects shots then they gave him the money for over a thousand so he's able to make the film look even better than it was looking in that trailer. But there's also two things that were confirmed in interviews. One being that evidently the protagonist, Jin, like you'll like one of her big lines in that trailer is, you know, this is a rebellion, isn't it? I rebel. And that's not in the film
1: anywhere. They they had that all over t-shirts in Target and stuff. <laughs> and then the line <laughs> wow. they're presented into the movie. <laughs> Their marketing department was not
0: in sync on that one. <laughs> um, no, but that's the thing. Like, Evidently, the character of Jin was a lot more abrasive, and they were afraid that she was too... She, she was not likable enough. So, mm. in order to make sure the audience could empathize and relate and like her, they did make adjustments to her. Now that could still be people saying, like, oh, you know, Disney doing the blah, blah, blah. I, I I don't know for sure. I mean, they never actually said it was a mandate, but it was evidently what the creator creators wanted. And that that's what I essentially want to say, is because a lot of people... When I expressed these fears, a lot of people told me, you know, this is what Hollywood does. Reshoots are a normal thing these days. Hmm. And yes, but then Suicide Squad happened. <laughs> and... I wasn't exactly on board with hearing about reshoots, and there's a couple other things that I was wondering too. And there are some of those shots were done, like Gareth Edwards said in interviews, that some of the shot, like there, there's the shot of Jin, um, look, looking, looking, like wearing the uh Empire outfit, looking back and right. at the camera, and it's like that shot's not in there. Well, that's because Gareth Edwards evidently just had extra time. That he was like, let's just do really cool shots once in a while. Like, let's just do really cool stuff. And sometimes it got used, sometimes it didn't.
1: It's, it's sort of like, you know, everyone has a digital camera now versus, uh, you know, we're old enough to remember the days when you went on a trip. And you got one of those things with like 28 pictures on it.
0: Yeah, limited amount of film. Limited,
1: and it's like, man, I have to make every single one of these pictures count. Well, now that these films shoot on all digital... It's like, we can just shoot whatever we want, whenever we want it. Like, let's just shoot stuff for an hour, like, and see if we like any of it. That sounded, that's yeah. what it sounded like to me when I was reading the uh, Gareth Edwards that talk about it, was that it was sort of like, you know what, let's just shoot stuff and see if we like any of it. Maybe we'll use it, and we probably won't. And we'll give it to the editing guys, and they can put it in a trailer.
0: Yeah, perhaps. And that's another thing, too, is even after they knew some of this stuff was cut out evidently the uh, marketing team was like, no, no, it'll be fine, it'll be fine. So, up to release, stuff that wasn't in the final film, even, like, some of that goes to the marketing team. Like, that's kind of their fault. Mm-hmm. But, yeah,
1: well, this seems to be coming the new one. I, I'm just... So, we've got um, Rogue One, obviously, recently. Suicide Squad, again. There was stuff in the trailers... Like, people were, after the movie, trying to reconstruct entire scenes that never happened based on shots from the trailer. Um, oh, it just dude. seems like it's becoming the new normal that the way films are, are edited and everything else these days, and the way that the marketing puts together the trailers, that having trailers that don't exactly match up to the final movie is just the new normal, right? Is that just, is that just it now?
0: That's partially, I think that is partially it because if you recall, one of the issues with Edgar Wright, uh, doing Ant Man was Marvel wanted him to just filled, film extra stuff that could be used in a trailer stuff that wasn't like Edgar Wright has a very rigid, like this is how we're doing it, uh, method. And evidently, they the um Marvel wanted a bit more, some marketing stuff that was something that I read, of course, that I found out. But if you look back, there's uh if you look back and watch the original iron man 2 trailer i believe the very first one opens up with him you know about to go down to stark expo and he's talking to pepper on a plane and he has that you know like love yous uh, thing before he drops off the plane like it's very amusing and everything it's not in the final film and whenever they have the deleted scenes you don't see it in there in the deleted scenes Hmm. there's also a clip of Um, At the party, where he gets really drunk and everything, in the Iron Man suit, there's a clip of uh, Scarlett Johansson wearing the Iron Man glove, and he's behind her, you know, like, at a party thing, and she's about to fire it. That's not even in any of the alternate scenes or whatever. So there's a lot of clips that are used. Some stuff, is, some things are reshot. Again, some of this is just learning how Hollywood works. They'll go back, they'll do reshoots, they'll be like, okay, this didn't work, or we just don't want this, and it's not enough to be a deleted scene. It's just...
1: How they edit scenes around. Well, this goes back to, have you ever, are you familiar with the Spider-Man, the first Sam Raimi Spider-Man film, the original trailer for that? Oh, yes, with
0: the two towers, and that was supposed to be in the film.
1: Yeah, where Spider-Man thwarts the robbery, and he uh, catches them, uh, and whatever they, yeah, in between the two towers, where, uh, yeah. The World Trade Center, yeah. Yeah, the World Trade Center, yeah. They... they,
0: and then the 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 9-11 happened so yeah. everything everything about that was removed that also caused a metal gear solid 2 delay because they right. needed to remove that from the the skybox it was
1: yeah it was just an interesting i was it was weird going back and watching that and being like what what is this like what happened um, <laughs> but anyway so that's what's yeah. the, that we get a little bit of a meta conversation here what about the movie what, what did you like about the movie what did you hate about the movie
0: Well, I mean, that's one of the reasons I did want to bring some of those edits up. Because there are some things that I think... I think there are some things the rumors were right about. And then there are things that I think the rumors were, of course, wrong about. But in their efforts, might not have worked so well. Because they added a lot of stuff earlier in the film to try and introduce characters in a different way. That I don't think helps the flow of the the movie. Mm. The opening's got a weird pacing where it just jumps around back and forth but they're trying to introduce characters earlier and then bring them together earlier so you you, you they want you to to understand these characters better cuz in some ways the characters aren't really all that deep yeah but i don't think they really need to be either cuz there is a very clear like it feels a bit like a bit less like jin is the main character like the trailers portray and i feel like she would have been more of a main character before they decided to edit things differently, to introduce the other characters more. She doesn't feel like she's necessarily the leading role. It feels like it's more of an ensemble cast, or she's just put on the
1: posters. Right. Yeah, no, I I would agree with that. But at the same time, I think um, I should have spent some more time over on TV Tropes before we had this conversation. (laughs) I mean, a lot of the, the characters still do kind of fall into this where, oh, Jin is the protagonist... And, and Cassian is, uh, what do we call the Lancer, who's sort of the the foil to the protagonist where they, they clash and they, they disagree and they sort of provide a different perspective um, on the events. Then you've got, um, uh, what's his name, Ipmon is like the mystic sort oh, of Oh, I know. You're, right? You um, mean, uh, what is his name, Donnie Yen? Donnie Yen, yeah. Yeah, because...
0: I, I got I, I got IMDB open right now just in case we need to reference these names. Because do you remember when it was nice so that you could just have someone named Luke or Leia? Yeah. Yeah. Or, you know, the nickname of your alien buddy is Chewie. An yeah. English word. Like, Chewie. That is a word I can wrap my head around. And then, like, Han is the most alien name you got. Because mm-hmm. even Obi-Wan is Old Ben.
1: Old Ben, right And ben, now yeah. it's
0: like, okay, I got to remember this character's name is... Baze Malbus,
1: yeah, and and uh, Chirit Enway, and yeah,
0: yeah. If that's how you pronounce it, there's a circle above the eye. I don't, I don't even know. Cassian, I think, is an actual real name. Yeah,
1: that I haven't really heard, but otherwise, it's like these, these names are kind of ridiculous. Jin is what an al- alcoholic names her daughter. Um, that's
0: but- what Qui Gon Jin <laughs> was also named, so it's kind of weird. Well, that's the last no, no. name, yeah. I mean, we're not here to we're not here to discuss or criticize the I mean, names, I, 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 but yes, Donnie true. Yen's character, uh Cheer, 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 Donnie
1: Kyru. Yen, Donnie Ip Man. No,
0: no, 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 Donnie Yen. Let's Donnie just be Donnie Yen. Yen. Donnie Yen, a blind Jedi. There we go. Well, he's not really a Jedi. He's not really a Jedi. Blind. So that's
1: monk. A, That's another interesting thing. And part of me is asking. I I enjoyed the movie, I, but in looking at the Star Wars saga, I have to ask what's what's the point of this movie? What does this movie give us other than being? And this is one of my my gripes with the movie, I guess. Other than being a, a war movie in in the Star Wars universe, I, I just don't know what this actually. Ads. Okay, we have an excuse for why the stormtroopers are have terrible aim, I guess, because if they're shooting at force-sensitive people, they can't hit them. <laughs> I guess. Um,
0: no, I I, I I get what you mean in a lot of ways because I'm looking at what is it 2019's uh, no 2018's Han Solo movie, and I'm like, we we don't need a Han Solo movie. We don't need a we, movie about a young Han Solo. We just don't. But, and and me of all people am fine with it being just the original trilogy like you you got kids right mm-hmm. and yeah. clearly
1: you're gonna have them see this movie um at some point <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know if my kids are ready for for anyway yeah the uh yeah
0: that, that, that's the joke no I, <laughs> I feel like with um I feel like with start with, like do, do you show your kids the prequels
1: my, yeah my at this point yeah they've seen at least my my oldest one has seen all six movies all seven movies. and to
0: that i have to ask why like why because I, I see this debate with people like people keep talking about like, the machete order it's like what order should i introduce star wars to, to my kids and it's like i got a very simple order four five and six that's all you need <laughs> yeah
1: well that's actually you so don't I,
0: need the prequels it's, so it's that watched- simple
1: I watched 4, 5, and 6 with him first, straight through. And then at a later date, we started with The Phantom Menace, and we just, we actually watched them about 20 to 30 minutes at a time. I may have had this conversation with you before. I highly recommend, if you want to rewatch the prequels, watch them 20, 30 minutes at a time. It's like watching a TV show, and it has like an action episode. And then, like, a drama episode, and then an action episode, and a drama episode, and that's just kind of how it goes, and then it ends with a big action episode. If you treat it like that, it's actually much better than I remember it being, because nobody, <laughs> nobody becomes too intolerable over the course of 20 minutes. Uh,
0: you get to pace it all out. And you can also accept worse writing and worse acting out of a TV show.
1: Exactly. <laughs> uh, so yeah, so we watched that. And we watched them all the way through again, up through the the Force Awakens. Uh,
0: See, but that's the thing. Like to me, like extra Star Wars is never a necessity. And I was one of those people that was actually kind of glad when they got rid of the extended universe because. I mean, I I like Star Wars. I grew up with Star Wars. Hearing people constantly talk about the extended universe or expanded universe always kind of irritated the hell out of me. (laughs) But at the same time, there are aspects of the Star Wars universe I I, I could appreciate seeing. I'm I'm not against expanding it. I'm not against like introducing me to more of it if you're going to do something with it and that's one of the good things where it sounds like both Disney and Lucasfilm everyone was fine with Rogue One being something different without having actual Jedi like it's not there to try and really build the story build the world so much but it does add a different flavor to it by being a war movie we get this more thought out look at what it's like to be with the rebellion we get a little bit more exposure to the empire and while these things aren't needed i feel like they give the star wars universe a bit more flavor that i can appreciate as someone that likes star wars doesn't love it and is so glad that we have a movie without a lightsaber for a change huh. now i could well I can okay s- that's not completely true
1: that's uh, true yeah darth vader gets his his, his uh his little moment there to shine. Uh, but that's actually, that's, that's another another thing that I, I have to ask is, and this is, I don't think these are big spoilers here. Um, so things that we see in Rogue One that we haven't seen much of yet in Star Wars movies is we have uh, non-Jedi force sensitive people and I like uh, how
0: that was implemented,
1: Donnie Yen. Yeah, I thought that was cool. Um, we have more. The end of The Force Awakens showed us a world where there was supposedly an ancient Jedi temple, but we actually got to see a little bit of one of these ancient Jedi temples from long time ago. Um, that's kind of hinted at, but never. We, we didn't. We haven't seen too much of it. Um, and we got something that I really hope is gonna show up in the next Saga, Star Wars Saga movie, and that's Darth Vader's castle.
0: <laughs> See, so, to me, that's the superfluous, like, fan crap that I'm glad they didn't get too much into.
1: Right. Um, it was nice to that's, nice.
0: that's that's like that's that's why the expanded universe is Star Wars fans that that's what they want to delve into. What I really appreciated out of this is the rebellion was not was is not very organized. They mm. they're, they're bickering among themselves. It's not really much of an alliance at this point, and the rebellion's not all good. And then the Empire, you get that political bickering, infighting amongst the leadership. Even right. it, it, it adds depth to these things that certainly has a lot more thought put into it than what J.J. Abrams put into the situation of Force Awakens, but you and I clearly come have different opinions of Force Awakens.
1: We we do have different opinions on Force Awakens, that's true. What also there's little things that makes it more interesting. So in in uh it seems like in Rogue One they have some support from the the Senate. And then what do you find out I don't know. Twenty minutes into a new hope, yeah. If you were watching them crawl, not even like the
0: opening crawl.
1: Um, well, no, it's it's Vader. You know, the the Senate has been disbanded, dismantled, or something like that. When one of his one of the generals on the Death Star, uh, objects to whatever's going yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Where so so it's sort of like, but that that pulls in where you know. So the the Senate is sympathetic to the rebellion. Who just staged this big attack and stole the Death Star plans and we, you know, all whole big mess on this on this planet with this Imperial installation and, you know, Star Destroyers getting blown up. Uh, and uh, and so what happens? Darth Vader, you know, d- does away with the Senate. Um, yeah, I mean... I, 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 that needs to be a deleted scene. Can we get that in the movie, Darth Vader? Like... cutting through the senate cutting up all those stupid flying chairs (laughs) oh god yeah
0: the actual the actual disbanding of it because it it feels like the end of this movie does lead right into immediately into a new hope and there's not a lot of time in between when you get right down to it not much time to disband the senate all of a sudden and i mean and granted that could be like background stuff off stage stuff but there's I mean, disbanding the Senate going to be quite of a, a process. It's well, a lot of bureaucracy.
1: I, I, I don't think there was much bureaucracy involved. <laughs> I'm guessing. That's just my guess. With, you know, an empire being run by a couple of Sith Lords. I don't think the bureaucracy was much of a concern in whichever, whatever they did to the Senate.
0: Make whatever metaphor, parallel, (laughs) joke in your mind, listener, that you want to right now because it's going through mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's like, you didn't, you know, Palpatine was supposed to have checks and balances in place. Checks Uh, and
1: balances, right. um,
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyways. uh, What that brings
1: me to is, is what was part of the purpose of this movie in the saga, in addition to sort of framing the setup and giving you a new look into what's going on in a new hope. Are they so really I think uh, maybe uh, somebody I, can gonna, somebody I'm can gonna, correct me in the comments section. The is um is the Force Awakens the first time we really see some kind of force related person I don't know what to call him Min in the, of the movie. What's that? mean Rogue One. No, no. I'm saying The Force Awakens was oh. the first time that we saw somebody who was somehow connected to the Force, but not a Jedi or a Sith, right? The, um, the, the guy who we're all really confused, like, are we supposed to, in the beginning, Poe Dameron meets with the guy who's all about the Force, but we're like, who's this guy? Do we know this guy? And then Kylo Ren kills him anyway. Um, you know what I'm talking about?
0: I'm gonna be honest. I don't really remember too much.
1: Okay, no. well, you, need, that's, you don't like you say you don't like the movie, and then you don't even remember anything about the movie that was important. Um, anyway, my point <laughs> is that I wonder if part of if they're now also framing some things for Star Wars Episode Eight as having to do with you know the the Force, Force use and the sort of religion of the Force outside of the Sith and Jedi.
0: If they are, I'm not going to know because unless that trailer looks really, really good, I'm skipping out on episode eight.
1: You know it's going to be the best trailer you've ever seen in your life.
0: No. Yes. But um, jumping back instead... What if they don't 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 do a trailer?
1: What if they don't do a trailer? Look, Driver the only the only
0: reason I have to go see that is Rian Johnson is directing, and Brick and Looper were great films. Force Awakens was not, and it's still. That's it. This is not about the. This is not about Episode Seven or Eight. Rogue One.
1: I'll pay for your ticket. Okay. No,
0: no. Rogue One. Okay, but no, jumping back some to what you were saying though, especially about the end with the Senate and everything. I mean, the, the, this film does have the typical prom that prequel films and stories will always run into which is you have to try and come up with this own standalone story but now you got to make all the pieces fit together that lead into the next so you're going to often have plot holes come up and in this film in particular the there were some lines and other things thrown together at the end that are like oh by the way this somehow needs to make sense leading into a new hope so we've got to try and really quickly scramble together this quick logic so that it makes sense. Even though technically it doesn't make any sense. So, mm. I mean, that, that, that's the thing for me. Like the, the very end of the movie, it makes no sense to, for Princess Leia to be on the ship that gets the plans. They they have a couple throwaway lines in there, but it's like no, this, this doesn't logically make any sense. But I also understand well, why. The, the, I mean, you kind of get yourself. You're trying to tell the standalone story. Right. And they do a pretty good job because Jin has her own story arc. She yeah. has her like, you know, what she finds her cause to fight for her, her reason to, to go forward, I guess, because she's had a rough life and she has no purpose at the moment and she finds it. She has her story arc and they, they, they do a good job telling that. And then you got to make it make sense with the star Walker, S- Skywalker storyline. Right. And it's a prequel, so you're going to have those issues.
1: Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I think they did a good job telling a standalone story. Um, again, a like like we talked about in the beginning, it's a war movie. It um, it really gives me some of those those vibes from those old World War II movies where you're like, oh man, like I know people are going to die, but I really hope he doesn't die. <laughs> oh man, he died. Um No, that's but at, at least he got to crack is. one more joke before he died. Um jeez. Oh, um anyway, that's that's just that seems to be how it goes sometimes. Um now there's some interesting things. So talking about connecting to existing lore. I felt like Saul Guerrera was to some degree like a so, if I remember the history of the character correctly, he was originally a character in um, a couple episodes of the Clone Wars TV show.
0: Evidently, no. This uh, is stuff that I've heard about. I have I haven't seen the Clone Wars show. Um, not the anime. Not the Tarkovsky animation. I believe no, this the, is more yeah, the three D animated one.
1: The long running like uh, the yeah the long running computer animated three D computer animated show. Um, so, right. So, and then he's also now shown up on the Star Wars Rebels show. And he doesn't have as big a role in the movie as I expected. And I almost feel like he's he was thrown in there, again, as part of, like, almost like throwing a bone to the, the establishment of this new canon, which is Clone Wars, Rebels... And the movies, essentially, with a couple books thrown in.
0: I disagree, but largely in that I feel like his character... They might have basically had a character in the script that was meant to serve a specific purpose for Jin's story arc. And in their reshoots, I think they reduced his presence in the story. And... In so so changing Jin, they also ended up changing the role his character has. I cannot discuss that unless we open it up to spoilers, though. So, do we want to open it up to spoilers now?
1: Yeah, let's open it up to spoilers. It's spoiler time.
0: Alright, so if you're listening, I mean, clearly me and Steve both liked Rogue One. It is a good film. I, you know, was... Uncertain. I didn't like Force Awakens, so if, like me, you didn't like Force Awakens, or you're paranoid because of the reshoots, Rogue One's a good war film. It is fun. It's a good ride, so go see and, it.
1: And on the other hand, if you're just a big fan of all things Star Wars, including the Force Awakens... Then you are one which, of the
0: easiest people to please in the world.
1: Which, uh, which, like, 99% of people in the world like that movie... Um, even in even in other countries I don't know what Chris is talking about um, then I think Rogue One is still a great film that adds to the Star Wars lore um, and I think we're going to find out that it has as the saga continues it's, they're going to develop more connection points there uh, that's just my two cents though so go see it if you haven't already
0: alright and if you're still with us, then that means you don't, you've don't, you either already seen it or you don't care about spoilers. But, alright, Saw Gerrera, uh, Forest Whitaker's character. The big thing about his character is he was clearly going insane and even paranoid. Yeah. This is also where we get into the issues of kind of headcanon, which is funny because I accused you of some of this for The Force Awakens... And it is always a problem. So I think this is a problem with the film as it is currently structured. And I do believe this is a fault of the reshoots. Because if you recall that first trailer, he's saying all kinds of stuff to Jin. Like, you know, if you keep fighting, you know, like, what will you become? And I think he is supposed to be a warning to whatever current path of destruction and violence she is on at that point. Because they don't really bring up her real rap sheet in the final cut of the film. That's uh, true, yeah, yeah. Hmm. The, it's like all the stuff leading up to that—you don't get her rap sheet. All you know is her background, who she was originally with, and we know that there, you know she she stole a blaster. You know she 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 found a blaster on on the rebel property on Yavin, and she decided to keep it for herself. So we know <laughs> there's a little bit of that kind of stuff going for those roguish elements, but. You don't get that rap sheet, so you don't get the feeling that she really is this person that's involved in violent things and violent goings-on. But if she was at one point, and one of the reasons why, you know, people might find her, they might have found her a bit too aggressive or whatever, like, why people might not like her so much. I feel like Saul Guerrero is basically at the point where he is so deep into this rebellion into how extreme he is, he is paranoid of everyone and everything to the point that he sees her. And he can't help but think, are you here to kill me? Hmm. Like, there's too many things happening right now. Are you here to kill me? Is this how I die? He He's losing his mind. And I think that is also why it makes no sense when... Because like, a lot of people have complained about this. Like, it, it makes no sense that he's just going to stand there and let himself get blown up well, this is where the head cannon comes in. If he is so insane, he can't tell if this girl that he raised was about to get taken right. was coming to kill him or not like then it technically makes sense, but the film doesn't give him enough screen time to establish that
1: right, and that's where well for if you if you you know have consumed all of the star wars uh series and other things. So, if I remember correctly, I'm 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 struggling on the Clone Wars episode or episodes that include him. So his family is killed by a separatist separatist attack on his home world. At which point he is trained. He's fights um, with against the separatists. Um, When he shows up in Rebels, he's now older and grizzled and battle hardened and all that. Um and his when he showed his entire um unit was killed by uh on um uh what's that planet? Anyway, the planet the planet from Attack of the Clones, Geonosis. So he was his his unit was investigating something on Geonosis and everyone else is killed except for Saw Guerrera. So um so here we have we do have a guy who's been at this point fighting for 30 years um first against uh with the republic against the separatists and then with the rebels against the uh empire and he's had his whole family killed in wars and who knows how many other times he's been the last man standing in one of these things so I think I, I think that your headcanon might be not too far off from what is actually being represented here, where this is a guy that's lost everything to war and he's not right anymore.
0: I mean, I have no doubt that's what the the screenwriters had intended and the editors and director. Like, I have no doubt that was the intention, that he's finally just, he's done because he is at his wit's end. He's going insane and he knows it. He realizes it.
1: And who knows, if he had stayed but, if he had stayed, maybe he would have been the only survivor again. And uh,
0: <laughs> <laughs> But I mean that's the thing though, it's like the, the I don't think the film as it is, like if I didn't watch any of that well, I didn't watch any of that stuff. You don't read the books, like if you don't get any of this extraneous material and you watch just the movie, the film doesn't really tell you enough about this guy to make a lot all all these connections. And I think, again, part of that is because you could tell in the reshoots, one of the things they gave him was hair. Because in that first trailer, he's bald the whole time. So they gave him hair and they changed his dialogue somewhat because he does not have that speech to Jin this time. And therefore, I think his relationship with her in some ways, I want to see the original cut of this film because I do want to see who was Jin originally. What mm. was her original arc? Because now it's a very simple one. It's you know, we we need we need to give you a purpose. So your purpose is okay. You you need to find your father. Well, we need you to connect with your old mentor, and then your old mentor is going to help you connect with your father. Then your father is going to help you connect with your uh, drive to actually rebel against the empire. That's why you're going to care because it's one of the things that Saul does confront her with: is why are you going to like like. Are you going to be happy with the empire as it is? And I think maybe that was a change. Maybe, in, maybe that was the change. Instead of finding, instead of fighting for a good cause, maybe she was fighting out of rage or something. Maybe she was fighting to fight.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I mean, this is all theory, of course. But right, it's yeah, well, you... I'm, This is the part of the reshoots that I do wonder if maybe they actually did more harm to her character and therefore saw his character than good. That's, but that's at the
1: same, a, Sorry, okay, go, ahead. go ahead. No, you got it. I was just going to say that was an interesting point.
0: Um, I think on the other hand, though, you then have Cassian, where one of the reshoots added his scene, and this is where I think anyone that was worried about Disney wanting to hold back or whatever <laughs> can lay those kinds of fears to rest, because in that scene with uh, Cassian... And he meets his informant and everything. This is all added as the reshoots after Disney already saw it. And right. Cassian kills his contact. A good guy is killed by Cassian, our, one of our protagonists. Yeah. And that is in the first, what, like 10 minutes of the movie? That's like really early on. This is our first introduction to this character. And it is one of those things that's like, oh, oh, this is not... This is not regular Star Wars. Like, This isn't <laughs> even like Han shot first kind of rogue scoundrel. Because, I mean, yeah. Greedo was a bounty hunter. Greedo had his gun pointed yeah. at him. This is a dude with an injured arm that's like, the Empire is coming, I, I can't get away from this. And Cassian makes a decision right there. You know, like, he, he says, kill the guy. And it makes sense. Like, if we're going to, again, headcanon, it's like, that's the kind of guy that's going to talk. The Empire grabs him, He's gonna tell. he's yeah. going to squeal like a pig. Cassian did, you know,
1: what needs to be done. I don't want to
0: say what he had to do, but he did something that, in that situation, is like, you know, what—that's a very practical, militaristic decision. You know, like emotionless, and it—it really introduces you to the character so that you can understand a lot of his struggle later on. And again, it's part of that whole—the rebellion isn't as clean hands as. They had previously been portrayed, and I like that. I like that angle of introducing Gray into things. Like this is for me a like this is Star Wars for after you've grown up a bit.
1: (laughs) Now, so that's that's another. So I'm I'm just trying to to you know tie everything together and come up with crazy theories. Um, So if you if you follow any of the you know Star Wars ridiculous theory. Uh, um, you, I, you said gray and it made me think of it. Um, ridiculous theory <laughs> verse. Um, oh, yeah. One of the ridiculous theories floating around is this idea like um, the... of, of the... sort of like finding this gray area in the Force that Luke's going to be like, not light, not dark. He's going to be like gray. Except so,
0: George Lucas already smacked that down.
1: What is George, what is George Lucas...
0: What does he have to do with it anymore? <laughs> so, yeah, now, what are we going to do? Recon it now? I don't know. We, 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 we can do whatever we uh, want. You're going to make forget this...
1: About, forget about George Lucas. Star <laughs> no, Wars belongs
0: to the fans, man. Yeah, It's apparently. too great for just one person.
1: There you go. Um, <laughs> no, I, I lost my actual train of thought there on uh, intelligent... Uh, Commentary
0: <laughs>
1: about the, oh well that was another thing the I read another interview and I couldn't find it again where it seemed to imply that the ending was a little bit lighter originally
0: oh no no no, no. there there was talks that Jin yeah. Erso originally survived
1: yeah that, that basically that and that and that's another thing that sort of gives you some some faith in. In Disney's guidance of the film, that they were okay with saying, "No, you can kill everybody. That's fine. We we, well, we don't mind if you kill everyone."
0: <laughs> it's not even just that. Gareth Edwards actually did say, and you can kind of see it in some of those original shots. There were pictures of Jin on the beach with the Death Star plans um, in her hand and everything. That was, I think, the original ending. She was on the beach with them, and I kind of want to see that too, just to see what the like what would have been different about the combat. Yeah, but. I, um, um, so, but,
1: that's not that's not important for the way it ends. Well, that's, that's, I and mean, you mentioned that before, and I didn't want to talk about in this in the spoiler-free section. That felt a little bit contrived to me, where it's like, okay, well, we transmit the plans, and then they get the plans, and then they copy the plans onto the disc, and then the guy runs from, with the disc through the ship and almost gets cut down by Darth Vader, and then he does get cut down by Darth Vader, but he slips the disc through the door... And then the other guy gets it to the ship where Princess Leia is, and it just felt a little bit like, I don't know. Oh no! It I mean little, that that was I, a little I, bit much.
0: <laughs> no, I could see that. I mean, they need honestly the only reason it happened that way is because they needed to give Darth Vader his moment because nobody got to see Darth Vader kick ass. That's nobody true. got to see Anakin. I mean, granted, I was completely. I'm I'm completely fine with just Empire and. Jedi Darth Vader fighting. Um, granted, A New Hope. I mean, as a thing, he must have lost a lot of. He must have been like really tired when he and Obi Wan fought, or he must have been giving Obi Wan a handicap because he could not pull oh, off any Ob- of those moves.
1: Oh, Obi Wan and Darth <laughs> Vader were not at all concerned about fighting each other, and that's just my, that's my headcanon There, they were having. Oh a my convers- goodness, this
0: is all headcanon. It's like a Tumblr post.
1: <laughs> <laughs> they were they were having a conversation with their lightsabers out. That's all that was happening. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you can the, the, the midi like are transmitting through bus. the lightsabers.
0: <laughs> um, no, um, but I, the, the I, I mean, you're you're right though. They wanted to have a bit of a happier ending. But even Disney, like um, i Gareth Edwards talk to uh, uh, what is it Kathleen Kennedy, who now kind of heads the Lucasfilm branch. And they talked to the Disney people and everyone was basically like, yeah, it doesn't make sense for everyone to survive and then not be in the rest of the movies. So like, yeah, It just doesn't make sense. Yeah, it's yeah. fitting. Just kill them all. Go ahead. Kill them all. Well,
1: you know, that's so actually something. I, I, I do have faith. In some of these, I feel like some of these studios, I think Disney is one of them. Um, their executive level people or whatever seem to have like... I would say um, Warner Brothers is the opposite right now, where 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 they just don't they don't know where to meddle and where not to meddle. Um, where I feel like, like I was watching this is this is kind of unrelated, but just in watching lots of kids movies, there are movies that are decent, but they just they don't they don't hang with like, there's one or two things that separates them. I feel like from being a Disney or a Pixar um, quality animated film. And I think largely it's the executive people who said like the, um, like the John Lasseter, like not having John Lasseter there as an executive producer to be like, no, that's stupid. Please get that out of my movie. Um, kind of deal. You know what I'm talking about? I think Disney has, largely speaking, beyond that, I think they have the right people um, to make those kinds of decisions um, in Star Wars and in other things where I'm I'm, I'm happy with their meddling or lack thereof. You, you're making funny faces at me. <laughs> um, well, <laughs>
0: the for a big company, Yes. Right. But, I have a feeling C-3PO and R2-D2 are only in there because some executive said they gotta be. And some other stuff, like, I actually wonder, because there's evidently a still of, um, oh shoot, what is it, uh, Orson Krennic. The the, the big bad in this is essentially yeah. Krennic. Um, and I, there's a scene of him holding a blaster out on what looks like the bridge of a D- Star Destroyer, and I'm wondering if maybe bef- like, was that always Governor Tarkin? Or was it at one point someone else? And did Krennic in so- at some point shoot the other guy? I don't know. Like, there, There's all kinds of stuff that could have happened that we can only theorize about. But I wonder, it's like, was Governor Tarkin originally supposed to be a character? And also... With all that money, the most you can do is make Governor Tarkin look like he stepped out of a PS4 game. <laughs> I, yeah, he didn't. Look, he didn't <laughs> look great. I, I don't know that that well, was. I mean, on one hand, let me let me, but, let me put but, a positive spin. Been, see, you I know, don't Let me put a spot. Let me put a positive spin on this. Video games have caught up to Hollywood. So there we go. There we go. <laughs> um, but no, no, no. Go ahead.
1: Um, I mean, I don't know. I mean, do you think I'm, I'm having, I have like, that's the kind of thing. I I don't know. Actually, I don't think that was a reshoot thing. I just imagine that that was at some point in the process. They said, well, we need to have, he's, here's this guy that's in charge of the Death Star when we first see the Death Star.
0: Um, and maybe. it makes it makes a lot of sense on the M- empire side. Like, have you, you want to have some of these characters there to establish it as the same universe? Because in some ways, it would be kind of weird if we we're involved in the building of the Death Star and you don't see some of the empire's higher ups. And having Tarkin there, and I feel like Tarkin is a proper bastard in this. Yeah, the way he screws over Krennic, like. Again, like I, I, if anything, I think I kind of like the Empire's characters more than I like the Re- Rebellion's characters, because of this sort of inner office politics stuff going on. I, I really enjoyed all of that.
1: Um, no, definitely. I, I think that's. I think the the Empire, uh, the, the yeah, the politics. I liked Krennic, um, as a as a villain. But just and also seeing how he was, you know, he was kind of feeling like he was getting screwed over, and he's doing everything, he's just, he's just trying to do his job, essentially, right? Yeah. Uh, his job is to see and the completion. And he just wants completion. the proper credit. And then, you know, what, uh, he gets to be Galen Ursos sending these transmissions and other things, and, you know, he's, you know, obviously completely awful, uh, but, you know, like when he guns down the entire team except for... Oh, he's a horrible <laughs> villain. You yeah, he's a horrible villain. But you, you
0: kind of like him, too.
1: Yeah, you kind of... You you understand where he's coming from. And I like that about him.
0: Oh, good God, I just realized Rogue One pulled off a better villain than any of the Marvel films have really pulled off yet.
1: With the exception of Loki.
0: Eh. How oh, come on? Loki's but- <laughs> great. <laughs> for some reason, I don't think he counts because he doesn't die.
1: <laughs> that's that's true but
0: no all right um uh we do have to be wrapping up but i do want to kind of i still have mixed feelings about darth vader's presence
1: darth i vader, still feel um, like we could have done without him should we close with darth vader
0: let's I, go let's close with darth vader
1: yeah i i think i could have you know they say like oh you know this is outside of the uh, it's the first Star Wars film, not part of the Skywalker saga. I'm like, and like that there Skywalker is. doing right there in the middle of your <laughs> film.
0: <laughs> and, and that's the thing too, like even though I kinda like that Krennic is going to him to be like Look, Tark is trying to steal my credit. Please talk to the Emperor. It's like, okay, this is this is this isn't like you're going to HR. This is kind of you're going to Darth Vader. Yeah. It's like, come on. But at the same time, there is one thing I will say, and dude, this is a beautifully shot film. Gareth Edwards has so, so much more directorial talent than a lot. Like, he's got more than George Lucas has. Hmm. And he's definitely got more than J.J. Abrams has. And one of my favorite shots, as simple as Film Direction 101 as it is, is when the door opens and you see the silhouette of Darth Vader over Krennic, and it dwarfs Krennic, and it just gives, the, it's this visual image that tells you that before Darth Vader, he is, like, just nothing. He is the small guy, and here's Darth Va- in the shadow of Darth Vader.
1: And I remember that, there's a great use of contrast, too, um, with the, the, you know, Krennic in the white if he had been wearing a standard imperial uniform, it wouldn't have had that same punch as Krennic with his white no. cape and, and in front of you know this. Yeah, that was that was a great shot. Um, I, I think there maybe are so
0: many other good ones, but yeah,
1: but uh, no, they really there. It's a really beautifully shot film for sure, and that's and, and that kind of makes me a little bit like I understand why you want to have Vader in there because he's just. Like, he's such a marketing tool. That's just a marketing tool. He's oh, that's the biggest reason. I mean, yes, he is a marketing tool, but he's he's cool, Darth Vader. Like, like I when the last time I watched Empire Strikes Back, I was just like, oh man, like Vader is the man, like.
0: And with with the way celebrity deaths have been going, you kinda wanna make sure you use James Earl Jones as much as you can That's before every,
1: he's out. Every last every last time you get. Um But it's like the uh yeah, I know. I I don't blame them. It's sort of like I don't know. It's like if you're given this toolbox of Star Wars and say you're making a Star Wars movie and you gotta be like, Can I use Darth Vader? Please,
0: <laughs> Please I just can- hope I just hope they don't in the Han Solo movie. I hope at some point we can get away. But um, oh, there is one last thing. I'm sorry. Uh, there is one last thing I want to touch on, and that is what I actually really appreciate is Star Killer Base and Force Awakens. I saw blow up five moons and was like, eh. they hold they hold back on what the Death Star can do. We know it can destroy a planet. But they only give it a, a bit of its power to wreck entire cities and continent sized areas of planets. And the way in which it's shot and done, I felt more. I felt the Death Star was such a threat. Yeah. Like it really. It, 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 this is probably the best demonstration of the power of that fully operational battle station. Than any of the other films managed to do, part of it's because of limited special effects with a new right. hope at the time, and then part of it's just the special effects were so big they 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 put you in there you are on the ground seeing this thing's power its capability and I don't I, care about I, five moons and yeah it's, I
1: think well, yeah it was important it was, lesson, yeah not just you were in the you were you were in it, which was cool, but it felt like a like the, it could have just been like a nuclear explosion or something like that, but it was so much more than that. Um, the understanding
0: of the emotion behind spectacle, rather than just being mm-hmm. enamored by spectacle. And again, that is a dig at J.J. Abrams, who was incredibly pastiche as a director.
1: Well, and I think I do think that the that that is one of the weaker moments in the Force Awakens. Uh, when when Starkiller Base fires. It doesn't have the, um, the gravitas or whatever of the destruction of Alderaan, nor, and now with comparing it to Rogue One, it doesn't even carry the weight of, you know, the destruction of relatively small, well, large portions of a planet. But in comparison to taking out a solar system or whatever it's just taking out a city it still feels more powerful and it feels like more of a threat than star killer base ever would
0: they managed to use the death star without retreading old ground
1: basically that too yeah that was that was cool so, so
0: this, this i mean and that that i think does says a lot about this film. I mean, ATSTs I felt, were... I mean, I loved seeing them because they felt like a threat to these characters. The ATATs ats felt like a threat to these characters. I mean, that's what I really liked about Rogue One. It gets you down into that nitty-gritty. Y- you get to see these characters that are threatened by the Empire. They are under... They, they are mm-hmm. overwhelmed. And they're doing their best. And it's nice to have that in a Star Wars film
1: as opposed to... Jedi everywhere. Or or just, listen, we're going to try really hard and we're going to be really plucky and we're going to pull this off and nobody's even going to have to get hurt. Except for in, like, every other movie where someone gets hurt.
0: Except for that one Ewok that dies.
1: Yeah, it's really sad when that Ewok <laughs> dies, man.
0: <laughs> but, no, I mean, I think it's safe to say that we both like it. I am actually really eager to get this one on Blu-ray.
1: Me too. I'm actually. I I am eager to to give it another another watch. Um. So yeah. So so thumbs up to Rogue One.
0: All Two right. thumbs
1: up. No one's ever thought of that before.
0: Oh man. All right. So uh, what what do you want to do now?
1: Ask. Uh, do you want to not go play some Destiny? <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Let, let's let's skip on Destiny this week. <laughs> Alright, see you later, man. I'll talk to you later.